Money is freedom, and freedom is fun. Most of the people we deal with are fairly successful financially. I mean, the truth is our clients are people who have saved money. And so now they're kind of, I don't know if they're living the dream, but at least they're doing the kinds of things they want to. And they come to us just for consultation about specific circumstances. Like they might say, well, we need to buy a new car. Which one of our accounts is the best place to take that money? If people express regrets, it often has to do with, you know, I wish I'd started saving earlier, or I wish I'd made a change in my career back 10 years before I did. The most interesting to me are the people who maybe had an opportunity to do something and then they didn't do it. To me, I always tell people, people regret more what they didn't do than what they did do. Unless something you did had catastrophic consequences, most of the time we just make our decisions and we go forward and we don't give it a lot of thought. And maybe you look back and say, well, you know, I might have done this differently or whatever. Man, I hurt myself that time, but I learned from it. So there isn't a lot of regret there necessarily. But the regrets that people have typically are the things, you know, somebody came to me and said they'd hire me for this and I didn't take the job because of this. And so looking back, I wish I would have. That's why I encourage people to travel and stuff. It's, you know, what you regret are the things that you didn't do. And you say, I didn't do this because it seemed like it cost too much money at the time. But when you look back on it 10 years later, you say, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, I could have done that and, you know, saved this much money. So I guess I tend to kind of think that most people who have regrets, uh, those regrets are tilted more towards the things that they didn't get done rather than the things they did. I guess I'd say that the people that we see that are happiest are the people who are busiest. There's this kind of picture that when you retire, you're just going to put your feet up and watch, you know, I Love Lucy on TV all day. Uh, but that gets pretty old pretty quick. And it's the same with playing golf. You know, people love playing golf, but, you know, after you've done it a little bit or, you know, maybe even done it a couple of days a week, before long, it, some of the glow wears off. It's not as much fun as you thought. I'd say the people that we see that are the happiest, you know, it's just like life. You know, when you, you kind of live life and you're busy and you don't stop and think that this is really great. But then when you look back on it and say, you know, when those kids were small, my life was chaos. But those were the best years of my life. And it's the same, you know, in retirement or whatever. People are just busy and doing things and they don't stop and think, oh, I have a big smile on my face because I'm happy all the time. But you can tell they are happiest because they're doing things and it's things they mean to do and they travel and they help and all those kinds of things. So um, nobody wears a sign saying, I'm happy. But just observation says that the people who are happiest are the ones that are busiest. There's been a lot of good research on that. And money makes you unhappy, but not necessarily happy. Or another way to say it is the lack of money can make you very unhappy, but having money doesn't necessarily make you happy. It's kind of like when I went to business school half a century ago, they taught us that certain things were what they called demotivators. And in the workplace, one of those things was money, that 
people would be unhappy at their lack of money or their lack of pay. But when you give them extra money, it only lasts a few weeks or a few months. They'll initially be elated, say, oh my gosh, I got all this new money. And then it fades real quickly and the happiness doesn't stick the way the unhappiness sticks. And I've seen that in life too, is that it's one of those things that when you don't have enough money, you almost can't think of anything else. But when you do have money and it's no longer a big issue for you, it drops pretty far down the list. It's more one of those things that allows you to take care of yourself and pay for the things you want and that kind of thing, but it isn't that big issue that's hanging over you like it is when you don't have money. One of the things I've seen as an entrepreneur is that money is a byproduct. If you set out to build a business saying, I want to be the next Bill Gates, it almost won't happen. It's too hard if money is the carrot that's dangling in front of you. It almost makes greed at the forefront. You know, all you want is the money, which means maybe you don't treat the people around you right. Maybe you don't make the right decisions because you're too focused on the money. My suspicion is that the people who achieve great financial success, they were engaged and loving what they did. And because they were engaged and loving what they did, the money came. I believe that's true of an awful lot of things. I think it's true of happiness too, you know, that that if you, if you set out to find happiness, that's a real tough thing to accomplish. But if you set out to do certain things, happiness kind of follows. So I think most of the rewards in our life are almost byproducts of, of working really hard and doing what you want to do. And then the money and the happiness and all those things just kind of come along because you were happy and engaged. So I think a good financial advisor, uh, first of all, knows all the nuts and bolts. So you have to have somebody who understands the difference between a stock and a bond and how to build a portfolio that's going to work going forward. But it's more than that, too. There are a ton of people. Do-it-yourselfers do that really well. They understand stocks and bonds and portfolios and fees and all those kinds of things. Uh, but I think the thing that an advisor brings uh, maybe is some objectivity. So no matter how much you know about the nuts and bolts, you can't be objective about your own life. Okay, so things take on an importance there that maybe aren't that important. So having an advisor in addition to all those things and Potentially, they know more about the nuts and bolts than you do, even if you know a lot. But in addition to that, that's the person who sits back and says, wait a second, I'm not sure that's really what you want to do here. Let me tell you what I've seen with other people and why that might affect you. When I talk to do-it-yourselfers, the, the thing that stands out to me is you'll have these people who have taken care of their money and they're in very good shape. And maybe they've been doing it for 20 or 25 or 30 years. And so they say... You know, I'm doing it, I've learned, I'm doing great. The problem is that there are a whole bunch of other people who did it themselves during that same 25-year period of time and didn't fare so well, okay? So there's an element of randomness or luck or something that's in there, but you can't see that if all you've done. So you can say, I have 25 years of experience, but yes, you do, but you have one episode 
a 25-year episode that doesn't match anybody else's 25-year episode, and you're concluding from that that you're prepared to take care of things. May work out fine for you. Generally speaking, though, a good advisor has spent that same 25-year period with dozens of other people, has seen dozens of other outcomes, and can bring some insight to your situation that may add genuine value. I think that's the biggest thing is... If you're self-taught, you only learn what you were capable of teaching yourself. Uh, You bring somebody in from the outside, and they may know a vast world of stuff that you never knew anything about, and that may be beneficial to you. So it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, discussions about purpose, discussions about leisure time, discussions about investments, discussions about spending, all those things, you know, we all have experience with that. And sometimes we assume that We've learned all we can from our experience, but that's not sufficient. And I think that's where somebody who has some expertise can add some value. There's an old story where a crowded vendor is selling fishing lures on a wharf. The lures are uniquely bright and colorful, and he can barely keep up with demand. A would-be fisherman hollers over the noise. So, do the fish like these lures? The crusty old vendor grins back and answers, Mr. I ain't selling them to fish. Investment salespeople understand this. They have a new and exciting investment idea every single day. Those CNBC talking heads are interviewing the flashiest expert with the shiniest baubles. It's alluring, intriguing, and distracting. And it sells. What it doesn't do is catch fish. If the ideas don't get you where you're going, then they are poison to your plans. Let's work together to reach your destination. Remember, money is freedom, and freedom is fun.